What's up, guys? So today we have new IFBB Pro Paul Canoe on the podcast. It's not so much like a Q&A structure like some of my other podcasts are. It's kind of us just catching up. You know, I do know Paul personally in the last year or so. You know, we've gone to the same gym. And so, you know, part of it is just us catching up and some conversation. Obviously, I'm going to have timestamps down below. So if there's any particular topic you're interested, you're always welcome to jump to that. But it's definitely more of a conversation between the two of us. We get into what it was like prepping for a show like this, what he did differently than he did in his last competition where he did not win and get a pro card. And uh, basically, you know, what he would do going forward in order to make progress for the next season. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. All right, everybody. So we have back on the podcast, Paul Canoe. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's been a long week, long two. Yeah, I was going to say a long few weeks. So what, what happened with your apartment, dude? So uh, basically, I was um, <laughs> I was doing my laundry uh, on a Friday, and uh, my bed was like close to the heater. It's been there for like, a whole year; nothing has ever happened. But the one day that I decide to redesign my like room or whatever, um, all of a sudden I like left. I was like in the middle of it, and I left to go uh, check out my laundry. And before I left, I, like, smelled smoke, but I wasn't sure if it was coming from my apartment, per se, because they usually cook, like, uh, they usually have, like, barbecue outside. So I was like, okay, that's probably just them just cook, making barbecue or whatever. So I went downstairs, checked on my laundry, came back up, and then all of a sudden, there was, like, smoke. Oh, and man. I was like, oh, oh, shit, okay, that's not good. So I got, like, water and stuff like that, just, like, kind of just, like, sprayed it on the bed. And then just kind of just throw it on the bed as much as I could to see if it would kind of go away. Obviously, it did it after a good two minutes. And all of a sudden, it was like all like the smoke and stuff in my apartment, particularly my bedroom. And I was like, okay, I can't do this. So I just called the cops, called um, one one, and then they called a fire ambulance. And then they came up and then they wrecked my entire place up. Oh, um, man. Going on, but my bed was sort of like fried <laughs> when they came did they just use water or did they use something different um well they basically god it's it's it was so long ago even it was like three weeks ago but they basically came in i think they used water they had to kind of get it like all settled up and whatnot so okay. when the fire uh <laughs> the fire chief kind of like tripped and fell. I was just like, it wasn't really like a funny moment, but I was just like, okay. So yeah, that happened. Dude, that's crazy. I had a, I had a fire here. I don't know when it was actually almost a year ago, probably I think pre COVID um, everything pre COVID is kind of a blur, but there was just a candle going and I don't know, like I just like left the room and then all of a sudden, I mean, thankfully this couch is like needed to get burned anyway. <laughs> it's like a super ugly couch. Um, but yeah, like the whole armchair of it was on uh, was on fire, and I mean it wasn't too hard to get out. But yeah, I know it can get away from you pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what happened with me. But um, ever since that happened, a lot of bad things have been happening. Like a lot of bad, a lot of good things. Um, when that happened, my Instagram blew up. So I don't know why, but that Is happened. That, so I noticed that your Instagram like went from because when I met you, like I don't know a year ago, whatever it was, you were at like maybe 18,000 followers. And then I assume, like now you're at like, I don't know what, 30 or something like that. But I assumed that was because you were doing contest prep. Are you saying you noticed a spike when the fire happened? Well, the funny thing is, one of, a vi- one of the videos I made was like shared throughout. I think a friend of mine shared it. And then when okay. it shared it, it went viral. And then when it went viral, all of a sudden I started getting like an influx of people just like. <laughs> wow. Just- and, and then I was like, Damn, hey, I set my apartment on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, and then it's just, I've just been kind of riding the wave, just trying to get clients and stuff like that from that. And uh, just making more content, making videos, giving out helpful advice, just so I can kind of keep that wave going. Yeah. The awesome. Where I get a little bit noticed. Um, somewhere. And, uh... Yeah, so you just finished up your contest, man, right? You just knew IFBB Pro, Paul Canoe. That's awesome. That was uh, what? funny. I'm not going to change my name to like the whole IFBB Pro, Paul Canoe. I think. Oh, that's- yeah. <laughs> um, I, so did you compete against Callum Von Moger? 
Yeah, I did. Because I saw the picture, I was like, oh, damn. And then you, you were mentioned in uh, Nick's Strength and Power video, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned you by name, so that was cool. But yeah, a lot of people were hating on Callum, saying that, you know, he didn't look anything like his Instagram pictures. He was like, he's lost a lot of size. I don't I mean, being in person next to him, how did he seem? I guess that was, it was probably the first time you met him, though, so you don't have a comparison. It was the first time that I met him. The dude's big. The dude's yeah. pretty um, The lighting at the competition was not the best. So when people who weren't actually there were, like, looking at the show, they would mm -hmm. think, like, everyone's, like, out of condition. But okay. I... I I've been in quite a lot of shows and I'm barely ever like satisfied with the competition, but yeah. that show was so stacked with like people with like incredible physiques that I was just like, ah, oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Wow. And he, he came second in his class, right? What did you come? No, he came first in his class. He was first in his class. Okay. Yeah. And there's some other kid came in like second. I got the overall for um, my class, so that was nice. Okay. Yeah. So how does that work? There's like, your class was what? Class B. Okay. So like, there's it just broken up in different class, and yeah. you you did um, classic bodybuilding, right? Yeah. Okay. So what class was Callum in? I think he was in class C, which okay. is probably all his class. So you were in B, and you won class B? Mm-hmm. And then all of the winners from the different classes then go up against each other? Yep, all came together, and then they battled it out in the finals. And then who won that? Um, the guy from class A won. Okay. I think I know who that guy was. I mean, I think I saw a picture of him. Yeah, I mean, he was very conditioned. Like, he was pretty lean, and he looked really good overall. Um I think he deserves it. For me personally, once I got my pro card, I didn't really care about the overall. Yeah. From this point on, the only overall that matters is going to the Olympia. <laughs> Everything else is kind of like meaningless. Like so do you have that goal to eventually be in like the Mr. Olympia classic bodybuilding? Oh, yeah, totally. Definitely. Okay. So you want to be up against Breon and... Uh... And all those. That's kind of why it's so exciting because like I, I only wanted that uh, win for a professional title because I want to be able to be up against guys like that. Not right. because, oh, I got my pro card. Blah, 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 blah. This is right. All that. Like it, the, the card itself means nothing. Yeah. It, all it really is is just a membership. Right, it's right. To being a pro bodybuilder. Nothing special. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what I hear people say now is that, like, you know, they are kind of giving away more than they used to be. And, I mean, I think it has you have to pay money to maintain it, right? Like a couple hundred dollars per year or something like that. Yeah, certain amount to maintain it. But other than that, it just gives you a bunch of different good perks here and there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, there's a picture of you standing next to Breon, I think, right, like a year or two ago. A while ago. I'm trying to figure out where it was. I've been trying to look for it. Oh, uh, okay. It's Brion, Steve, Steve Larius, or Larius, whatever. Larius, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. so I, I had one with Steve. Yeah, I mean, honestly, dude, when I see you, your structure, I mean, I don't see a reason. Like, there's some people where, like, you look at them, like, um, Dante Tru Trudell from DC Training. He was training Dusty Hanshaw. I don't know if you know Dusty, but, yeah. um, and when you look at him, like, he's a beast. And, you know, tons and tons of muscle. But, like, you can tell, like, he's not ever going to be Mr. Olympia because he doesn't have the structure for it. He can go far, but, you know, you just can see certain limitations. And seeing you, I don't, I really don't see any reason why you wouldn't, in theory, like, obviously, you know, there, it could be years away, but I don't see any reason why you couldn't be up there with the best of the best in classic bodybuilding. I mean, your structure is just, like, incredible. So I, I could see it happening. Yeah, I mean... Everyone has all everyone have always been like telling me that since I was like a teenager. Yeah. Like you you can probably go up there and stuff like that. But my problem is like I never really fully believed that myself. Mm. Because I like when you compare yourself to these guys who just look like ridiculously insane, you kind of feel a in a way <laughs> feel like you're just not there because they look so like monumental. Sure. It's just not a thought. 
Um, so I never really was like, hell yeah, I'm going to be Mr. Olympia kind of thing. Like how most people are like, they started working out and they're just like, yeah, I'm going to be Mr. Olympia or some shit like that. Right. Kind of just went through the process, just trained, just enjoyed. Never really once thought about being like an Olympia contender. So I guess last year when I competed and I was like a spot away from my pro card, I think that's actually what drove me this year because I was so disappointed in how I Mm. did. Because I did so well with my prep that when it got to like that final few weeks, I ended up kind of just like screwing myself in the foot. And um, I wasn't happy about it. So this year I was just like, you know, I really regretted that. And because of that particular reason, I just put a little bit more effort in. Yeah, you were talking about that. And I mean, first of all, I think it's it goes to show some of the gifts that you have that last year you said like you you know you were more lax on your training and your nutrition and you didn't win but you didn't do bad right i mean you're still pretty good and so i I think that just shows like you need to have everything right Mm -hmm. you need to have the genetics you need to have the consistency and work ethic all of that but you still did quite well and you know maybe somebody who has even better genetics could even go pro without trying that hard i mean somebody like a phil heath he probably could have gone pro Maybe not like obviously like a top top level, but you know you're talking like such absurd genetics at that point that like maybe he didn't even have to try that hard. But you know, for you you mentioned like okay, this was the year that you put everything into every avenue, so nutrition, uh, training. You know, you got a coach um, and all of that. So obviously, I mean, it paid off. Yeah, and I, I was kind of surprised at myself because like as I was going through my prep this year, it was just such a weird. <laughs> It was so weird just, like, looking at how the change was so drastic. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, there are moments where I would look at myself, I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, I look like this? That's awesome, it man. freaked me out because, like, I've made so much progress this year alone just by simply just staying focused, being consistent with my diet, being consistent with my training. Um just put a little bit more effort in and what was, was your stage weight this year compared to last competition it, it was only a pound more okay you yes. saw it like a lot leaner yeah it was just a bit leaner a little bit more muscle mass on me last year i was 176 this year i weigh in at 177 okay so you were sub 180 wow uh, you're, you're like what five seven five eight something like that five seven and a quarter okay yeah yeah i mean and again, I think that that speaks to. Have you ever taken like measurements, like you know your arms measure, for instance? I don't. I don't think about that. <laughs> I know it doesn't matter from a bodybuilding like stage standpoint. The reason I ask is because I think it's very interesting when you look at like different like muscle shapes and insertions and stuff. Like something I've talked with uh, Steve Hall and Abel Chabai about. It's like okay, so like we all do podcasts. We're all five ten to six one, similar weights. And we all look very different in pictures, right? I mean, not like drastically different, but I mean, we definitely have a different um, a look to us and different structures. And yeah. yet at a given height and weight, I feel like, you know, it's pretty similar in terms of like measurements. Like if you take um, Abel's, mine and Steve's arm measurements, they're all within honestly like half an inch of each other. Same thing with chest measurements, all within maybe like an inch and then waist maybe like an inch or so. But it yeah. looks so different. And so, like, with you, I don't know, but I would guess that at least, like, when you were on stage, I would guess maybe your arms were around 16, 16 and a half. But on me, who was nowhere near as lean and who's 6'1", that yeah. 16 and a half might be like, it looks okay. And on you, it's like, oh, shit, because everything that goes into there, you know, maybe a little bit shorter, very lean, fuller muscle bellies. And so... Obviously, there's a lot more to it than just how much muscle mass is on this individual. Yeah, um, my arms have been about the same measurement for about four or five years. Wow. Yeah, so they've been about like 17 and a half, roughly. Really? Okay. So probably on stage with being carb loaded and even just being that like that lean. Mm-hmm. I- think they really lost much especially if i had a had to like pre-pump before going before going on stage yeah yeah so they were probably a, a decent i would say like 17 and a half okay they never, like fully they never grow 
or anything. They've mm. always stayed proportional to everything, so they're they're always like that exact same measurement. Yeah. Huh. No matter what I do, like they never seem to grow. They never actually ever hit like I, I might have hit eighteen with a pump, but that was like so many years ago. So So where do you think the major improvements came? I mean, obviously you got leaner, but do you feel like there were muscle groups that gained more size this season? I think it was more lower back. Lower hmm. back was very well developed and um hamstrings were ridiculously well developed. They've always been like one of my lagging parts. And this year they were like, literally, you can just see them pop. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Nice. In my head, I've always thought I like, I didn't have hamstrings and it always like bothered me because I was like, oh, my hamstrings are pretty horrible. But I kind of just <laughs> and hit them as much as I could. And eventually this year, like when they got lean, they were just like, I was just like, like this, <laughs> it's just so crazy. Just like watching the drastic change just happen in this entire year. I was just like, I honestly couldn't believe like what was going on. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Wow. But, um, I think most of the change came from like my lower back and my hamstrings. My arms have kind of always been about the same, a little bit of the chest development kind of like happened and some upper back, like back this year was like, okay, it was ridiculous. So in terms of response, in terms of response, it's always been very like quick to respond to like training stimuli. Mm-hmm. So even when I was like little, my back was always like the biggest and strongest point, strongest part of me. So this year, it just it just kind of like responded in such a way that I'm just like, okay. Do you do weighted pull ups at all? I I do not, but I do regular pull ups, which is my body weight. How many can you do? You think if you had to do like a max set, twenty to thirty ish. Okay. I saw a picture of you and Mike Isertel both doing a lat spread. And, you know, at first, because, like, I know how you look. And at first, I was impressed with Mike because I was like, oh, Mike's holding his own here. And, you know, I know, like, you know, Paul's super aesthetic and everything. And Mike's, you know, doing well holding his own. And then I thought about it the other way around where Mike is, like, what, like 230 or something like that? Yeah. And 5'6". So the fact that you're back again, due to the proportions and the shape and everything, looked at just as big, I mean, very different shape, but looked just as big as his. And you're talking about being like less than 180 and a little bit taller is ridiculous. You know, and I, I think Mike has a ton of size, but it doesn't show as much, you know, because of the difference in structure. Yeah, that's also one thing I've been trying to sort of understand the whole like structure and the shape of the particular muscle and how they form. Um, I've noticed there are some people who have like really good structure and they give out like that. It, it's mainly just the muscle bellies mm-hmm. and how it's shaped. Um, some people have really good muscle bellies. Some just don't have really good muscle bellies, but they, <laughs> they make the best of what they got. Right. And that always makes a huge difference. But yeah, um, my back for some reason has always been such a strong point and just the way that it's shaped from like the width all the way down to like the way that it hangs from the lats mm-hmm. and that lower, um, the lower back, which gives it that V taper. It's just like, <clears throat> yeah. So it's, it's been, yeah, the tiny waist. I, like I said, if there was like one thing I could change to improve my aesthetics, it would be the waist. Cause mine's pretty wide. And like, I will look at like my back and my back's a strong point for me as well. But because I have a wide waist, it's like it looks pretty good. And then it's just like, ah, like it just doesn't. It's like, go in. Come on. And obviously, there's nothing you can do besides just try to get wider. Um, but I, I think that's definitely a big advantage you. And there's, I'm trying to think of who. There's like a pretty top-level pro. He's like top 10. And he has a ridiculous waist. Even though, I mean, he's probably like 240, 250. Um, I'm sure it'll come to me later, but he, uh, you know, that, that waist is just so tight, even though he's like one of the bigger guys now, yeah. he's maintained that small waist that obviously a lot of these guys have a trouble, trouble doing, you know, as it blows up. Is he the guy from Canada? I don't know if he's from Canada. It's a black guy. Probably. I think he was in, I think he was like 10th last year. Mm. Um, he's not like, like. You know, he's not ever, like, one of the top at the Olympia, but I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll DM you later when I think about yeah. it. Maybe I'll include it in here. See the, the structure on him. Yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty impressive. Uh, I know he's mentioned quite a lot on Nick's strength and power, it, just that his overall, like, shape and everything is great. Mm. 
So when would be your next competition then, as far as, like, would it be a pro show? Yeah, um, so I think I'm still a little bit small um, for uh, the pro stage, <laughs> to be yeah. quite After being around, like, Callum, who just looks ridiculously huge, and <laughs> also, like, six-something foot. Yeah. But I feel like if I were to even, like, step on stage right now at a pro level, I likely would not be able to hold my own. and from a strategic standpoint, it's not really wise, especially since I just got out of prep, to be able to go do a pro show, spend a lot of money, and then still continue like my um, prep after I've been prepping for like six to eight months. Yeah. Like, I would like to kind of just spend this year, next year, kind of just um, making a business and creating a specific brand of my own throughout okay. the year. And eventually still do like a proper uh, bulk cycle, try to put on this like 10 pounds or so if it's possible. And um, of stage weight? Uh, just 10 pounds of muscle or five to 10 pounds. Okay. Yeah, through what I can kind of muster out of me. Because I think the potential is there to be able to basically put whatever I want. And just again, just from this year alone, I can kind of, I think it's possible. Because this year, all they told me last year was like, you just need to put five pounds. And I did. <laughs> yeah, right. So I could definitely add that extra 10 pounds, and then I could probably be at like 192 on stage weight. And I think the first show that I'm going to do will be the Arnold in 2022. Okay. Oh, 2022. Yeah. Okay. Take a little time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the uh, girlfriend will like a little break from the dieting. How'd she handle you during prep? Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good to like the last two weeks. The last two <laughs> weeks filled with so much like stress, so much of like everything just coming at you. I mean, uh, I didn't really say this anywhere, but like that following week after my apartment got caught on fire, I was like driving on the highway and all of a sudden my I got a flat tire. So I had to pull over, and I was literally on the highway for about, like, <laughs> six hours just oh, man. for a way to get a fix. And there was something else that was wrong with the car, but I was, like, on the highway for, like, so such a long period of time because they were trying to find me. And, oh, and it's just it, – it, it's a weird prep. A lot of, like, crazy stuff happened one thing after another. Like, I think it got to the point where, like, I legit literally, like, cried because oh, it was just, like, happening left and right. And then I – it was actually really good because, like, when I was in that car for that, like, six hours, I kind of came to, like, a self-realization and just be like, you know what? <laughs> You've done this for, like, six-something months. You're, like, two weeks away. All you have to do is just finish this. That's all you had to do. And then you get to where you want to be. And because of that, I kind of basically just like, it sounds silly, but I was like talking to myself in the car, kind of like motivating myself, saying, I'd be like, yeah, all this stuff is happening, but there's also some good stuff that are coming out of it. But like, you're so close, you're right there, you just have two more weeks, get what you wanted, and then everything's going to be okay. So I just kind of just said that to myself. And then once I got out of that like uh, funk, on that Friday when my car sort of kind of had a, a flat tire, I was just like, focus. And yeah. then I just finished strong and yeah, winning that card was very interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, you know, and I've never, I haven't competed. I've done pretty serious diets. And so I definitely understand like, you know, mentally things just change, you know, your psychology is just different. So to go through, months and months and months of just intense training and dieting and maybe disturbed sleep, you know, everything that goes into that. Yeah. And then, you know, you get in a car accident and then there's a fire. I mean, you know, sometimes it's just something just breaks and it, yeah. it's just hard to keep it together. And the funny thing is like I took a week off from work so I can kind of just like relax and kind of de-stress myself mm. for like the past six weeks because of so much like stress I was literally weighing like 190. Oh, wow. For like a full six weeks. And then like when I decided to take off and then kind of just, I just played video games. Yeah. I went out of my way to buy a GameCube. <laughs> <laughs> How much did that cost? Uh, 
an arm and a leg. <laughs> Dude, I, I, uh, I, was, I think it was an N64 that mm. I just like looked up on like eBay or something, something like a little while ago, and it was absurdly expensive because you just can't get them anymore. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a decent amount of money um, on like the games that I wanted to get. But um, I, I, I got the GameCube and I played one of my favorite games that I had when I was growing up as a child, and I just literally just laid in bed. <laughs> just did cardio, laid in bed, and played video games. How and, long did you do that? Uh, hours. <laughs> I mean, like, was this like a, a break for like days or like a week? Um, I had like a week off from work. So within that entire, okay. I basically just did cardio, um, two, three hours of cardio. When I was done in the morning, I just play video games, go back again, just take cardio, play video games, go again, then just play video games, and then just rest up. Like every single day, as I was getting closer to prep, my weight was just dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. Till Thursday finally hit, I was like 182 on the dot on Thursday, and um, Friday I didn't know how much I weighed, so I kind of like starved myself a little because I wasn't really sure if I was going to make weight. And um, this was the Friday right beforehand. Yeah, it was like the Thursday night going to Friday for the weigh in. So I didn't eat much and drink. I didn't drink water or anything, but I was like pissing tremendously. And eventually when I woke up and I got the weigh in at like two o'clock and then the guy was just like, you're 177. I was like, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and um, and that was pretty much it. And uh I was pretty excited that I made weight. <laughs> so obviously, you know, you're at going to a pro level. It gets more and more competitive. As far as like the supplementation side of bodybuilding, I mean, what are your thoughts on that as you continue to increase and go to higher levels? So I think there's something that most people don't usually do when it comes to bodybuilding and then being able to go to the higher level. Um, at just the local level itself, you tend to see a lot of guys use a, a lot of um, supplementations to get them to where they need to be. And eventually when those guys use as much as they are, when you get to like the national stage, their entire hormonal system is completely fried because they've used so much. And then if they do end up getting their pro card, they don't really take it that far because they've already used so much to even compete at such a local national level that like for them to go even further, they have to use even more. Um, Generally, in terms of supplementation, what I would usually recommend for people to do is just use less, focus a lot more on your diet, your training protocols, um, recovery, and when it comes to super supplements, just don't use a lot because at the end of the day, um, you can use all the supplements in the world that you can, but if you're not, if you don't have the right diet, the right training, the right recovery system, the right like stress reliever you're basically just kind of just pumping yourself with drugs and you're not really going to get much out of it. So uh, I definitely recommend that people should just use a lot less. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times people, understandably, when they're at like the higher levels, they don't they don't get into specifics. I do think it's interesting. You have people like, you know, Mike Gisertel and Jared Feather who are pretty open, you know, about kind of crossing over that side. And I don't, I mean, I haven't heard them talk about any specifics, but they do talk about using low to moderate doses. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be curious to know what that looks like for them, because I think for everybody, it's different. You know, you hear some people say, well, you know, I don't use anything crazy. And then they're on like three grams per week. And it's like, uh, yeah. that's actually quite a bit um, and vice versa, you know. So I think perspective is part of it. Um, you know, I've heard some people get like legitimate pharmacy grade stuff and obviously that's often going to be more potent than if you're just getting you know some random crap that could be underdosed it obviously opens up a whole <laughs> a new can of worms that you need to understand so now it's not that's the thing like in one sense it makes the process a lot easier in the sense that obviously muscle growth is a lot easier when you have assistance however there is also another huge factor now that you have to consider that it's not just nutrition it's not just training now you have this whole pharmacology aspect to consider mm -hmm. and that will often change throughout let's say a contest prep so yeah. now it's like well did i lose weight because you know something with my training did i lose weight because of my diet 
or did I lose weight because I changed compounds and, you know, this compound doesn't hold as much water. You know, I mean, in theory, if you were on a compound that held a lot of water, you could actually, if you came off of that, you could lose weight, but not be losing any fat and not realize that your diet is off. I mean, there's just, there's just one more thing that you have to consider. So it can get complicated for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when it comes to like supplementation, um, definitely get like your dry compounds your wet compounds here and there it's also how like you manipulate like what you have especially like let's say during prep uh most would start off at like let's say the regular the basics like a test and some oral or something to go along with they'll do that for like an extended period of time and as they get closer to their contest prep they would probably drop the test and eventually add the more dry compound like mast like uh test probe for just like more frequent injection to kind of reduce water retention like you were saying hence that way they're like, dropping weight but they're losing fat in a sense and they're not having all that extra water weight holding them down to kind of like bloat them up and whatnot so definitely um the start of prep you always want to start with like a moderate dose per se I mean, yes, diet is, it could be a little bit of a nuance with dieting where essentially, like, how do I put this? From my perspective, when it comes to using supplements, they're only there to supplement what you're already doing. So if you don't have like the best diet and the best training method, supplements will only take you so far. But if you have all those combined, the supplements, yeah, will aid a little bit, but it's not like they're magical to the point where like they make such a huge difference that all of a sudden you're like, from one night you're like this, and then like the night you're like Phil Heath. Sure. But it, it, it's, it, it needs food. Um, it needs food, it needs the proper training stimulus to be effective. And what I've learned is that when it comes to supplements is that supplementations essentially are just there to help you recover faster and allow food to be able to go into the body a lot quicker and you can kind of distribute that using a nutrient petitioning and that's essentially from my perspective that's essentially all they do where if you are someone who's natural and you're prepping for a show you don't have that extra fast delivery to the muscle or to your um that nutrients to be absorbed as fast so that's the only I, I just think person that's the only difference is that it allows for faster recovery. But anyways, um, yeah, you start off with like maybe like a test and like an oral and then the closer you get to the show, you kind of like take some tests off and then take some morals off a little bit. Start with some like um, mast and trend and then start with like your a little bit drier compound like your Winnie. And then you start with like your um, your your like anti-estrogen to kind of help take the water away eventually. But eventually, when you do get closer and closer to the show, you end up taking things here one one at a time, and you kind of just get to the point where you're just using faster ester to kind of help the water to go away and all that. So, as far as when you finish up the show, you know, do you find that? maybe a lot of the people that you know will come off completely or i mean obviously there's like the whole thing between blasting and cruising and kind of staying on something all the time versus trying to get recovery back you know how are you seeing it with the people that you interact with nowadays so um it's funny i don't think many people do it the way that i see certain people that i interact with do it hmm. um people want to be able to use that um rebound effect so instead of just coming off completely or lowering the doses, they still keep their um, supplements ridiculously high to take advantage of that rebound with the extra food and stuff like that. I say, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's personally what I think. I, I just say, don't do that. Like once your show is over, you put your body through so much stress and being such a low caloric deficit and then doing all that cardio damage in your metabolism, destroying your hormones. The first thing that you want to do once your contest is over, get off of your, just get off everything. Mm. Literally just get off everything and you can either get off everything or just cruise a little. 
cruise a little until you're more stabilized because, I mean, some people tend to cut test out a few weeks out. So if you kind of pop that back in, it helps a lot because now it's kind of like stabilizing your hormones once everything's completely out. And you can kind of just like cruise a little bit with that. Right. Eventually, get, get off everything. Um, the reason why I say this is that prep can be so difficult in terms of like psychological, hormonal uh, metabolism and all that, that like your body is so damaged that you being on more is not going to do you any good. You're just damaging yourself further. But if you were to get off everything, kind of give your body the time to kind of heal and recover from everything else, some people would post psychotherapy right after. Um, like I said, like once the drugs are like completely taken out, your only form of drugs, quote unquote, your only form of drugs should just be rest. Don't train it. And food. So do you think even at the top, I mean, you know, you were competing at the amateur level. Um, do you think even at, let's say, a higher pro level, a lot of these guys are coming completely off? Or do you think they're staying on at least some, you know, cruise level of TRT to maintain more of their progress? I think the smarter ones, who knows what they're really doing, are probably coming off. And I think at that point, they understand that. I know I'm repeating myself, and right, I know they're not going to, like, believe me. But food is key. <laughs> like, food is just ridiculously, it's just the key. So if you get these guys who have been prepping for so many months, and all of a sudden they're just deprived of food, when you take the um, hormones away, your only source of um to build muscle at that point right after everything else is just being a caloric surplus. And you just, I mean, at that point when you're done prep, you just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And eventually your weight's going to go up without you even having to use anything because you're rebounding. Yeah. I, I mean, I see both sides to it. I think, you know, I've had quite a few friends who have experimented and I, the problem I see with going from, you know, a high, let's just say a high dose cycle during your contest prep, and yeah. then you come off everything. Now you're going into a big calorie surplus with dropping hormones. And so, you know, even in a natural competition, when your hormones are going to actually be more favorable after the contest prep, you're still going to gain a lot of fat, right? Yeah if you just like binge after a natural contest. Yeah. Well, if if you're enhanced, now you're even more crashed and you're not really going to be re recovering that quickly and you're going to have this large caloric surplus. I mean, I could see somebody putting on a monumental amount of fat if they're not, you know, keeping it reasonably controlled. The other mm -hmm. side to that though is um and I would say <laughs> I have a few friends who came off a cycle and then tried to diet afterwards. And to me, like just looking at them, they lost a dramatic amount of size afterwards. Cause it's now like, again, your hormones are going down and you're also in a calorie deficit. So, I mean, they just lost all the progress that they had made. They mm -hmm. lost it. So it, it seems like after kind of like what you said, after whether you're bulking or cutting, it seems like the best thing after you're done is just try to stabilize as best as possible. Yeah. Like, don't go crazy. If you try to lose a lot of weight, you could probably lose a lot of muscle. If you try to gain a lot of weight, you can probably gain a ton of fat. It mm. seems like it's best to just try to like recover as best you can, sleep, eat a you know controlled diet, and try to just get your body back online. Because I've seen people try to go the other way, and it just it doesn't seem to be very pretty. They're just they, they won't ever stop because now they're like, all right, conscious prep is over. And they keep on eating and eating and eating and eating and eating and yeah. eating. And that just becomes a problem. But it's also the mindset itself. Like, for me personally right now, I'm just eating and eating and eating and eating and eating <laughs> for like a whole week. But you also have to get yourself into that mindset where you're just like, okay, once next, next week starts, I'm kind of going to not eat like crap anymore. Mm -hmm. And then that's pretty much it. Like, you're not getting ready for anything in particular. You're not trying to get super ridiculously lean in particular. And that's where the concept of reverse dieting comes in, which I will be doing on Monday. But 
like I said, it's like I've been so deprived of food for so many months that like a week of just eating like crap of everything is not going to affect some like I, I, it's not going to affect me that much because I also know my body itself. Like mm-hmm. my metabolism is ridiculously fast. Yeah. But I can kind of get away with what I'm doing. And if I were to tell somebody to do, I wouldn't tell somebody to do what I'm doing. I, 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 I would not because they would get ridiculously fat. And so they would find it hard to get out of that mindset to be like, all right, I need to stop eating. <laughs> right. Right. That's a big part of it. that psychology. Yeah. So it's the fact that I know I have such a fast metabolism that next week, once I start like a crash diet or whatever, I would probably get down to like 185 easily within two, three days. So what do you, so what do you think you'll be up to after the week? Um, I'm currently 193 and I think okay. I age probably, at, I weigh in at 177, but after uh, carb loading, I probably weighed in at like 182, 183 okay. so, pounds. So by the end of next week, I'll probably still be like 193. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm 193 this morning too. It's like we're the same. Yeah. <laughs> same physique and everything. Yeah. Right. Just <laughs> color around a little. I was going to say, I just need to get a little tanner. Get a little tanner. My, yeah. uh, my cousin, he might be watching this and he, uh, he's 17 now and he's a big kid. He's trying to diet down right now. And, uh, <laughs> he was like, you know, I just want lean muscle. I don't want any bulky muscle like Ronnie Coleman because that's gross. And I was like, all right. So one, you don't have to worry about becoming Ronnie Coleman. But yeah. two, the picture that he showed of this guy with like lean muscle was like one, he was black. So I was like, all right, well, you're going to have to get a lot, a lot of tan going. But two, the guy was probably like my height and like a lean 230. And I was like, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about it. That's also something to talk about as well, the idea of, like, body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, yeah, if you want to dive into it. I mean, is that something that you deal with personally? No, I um, I don't, actually. Um, I know I'm pretty big, but a lot of people don't. But for me personally, I think it came to a realization maybe four or five years ago that, like, I don't need to get ridiculously big. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I've always stayed around, like, 195 to 200. Like, if I were to tell you the heaviest I've ever been was 210, and that was, like, five years ago, that's the heaviest I've ever been. Mm. And after that point, I've just been a stable 195 to 200 pounds for the past five years. Really? Yeah. Because I know that, like, I have such a shape that it's kind of, right now at this stage where I'm at, it just doesn't make any sense to put on so much amount of muscle mass. I know everybody wants to put on a lot of size and stuff but like the more muscle mass that you end up putting on the more you kind of stray away from what you actually look like as like your physique is kind of like drastically changing and you get into that that perception and that mentality of just like i need to be bigger i need to be bigger i need to be bigger 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 and then eventually you kind of just create that like illusion where when you look at when you look at yourself you don't see yourself as big as you truly are Mm -hmm. because Ed, you think it's just never enough. So I kind of passed that point because I realized, okay, I'm pretty big. I don't need to be bigger. 195 to 200 pounds is cool. And I've been with it for five years. So it doesn't Sometimes really- I, I And like, this sounds like a jerk comment, but not to you, but just in general. Like sometimes though, I think people, especially in social media, it's almost popular now to say like, oh, everybody's fat shaming or everybody has body dysmorphia. And it's like a lot of people do have body dysmorphia, obviously. Yeah, totally. But also part of it is like, well, your perceptions just change, you know, like, okay, maybe you think this income is good, but then you start hanging around with more successful people and you realize actually that income isn't that great. You know, yeah. this income is good and it's, it's just ever changing. And so as a bodybuilder, when we're like trying to improve our physiques, it's like, you know, for instance, I, you know, if I look at my physique, I'm like, I'm not terribly happy with it. Now over, over, you know, 16, 17 years, I'm now content with where I am because I know it's not going to change that much. But from a bodybuilding or like a physique standpoint, it's, it's fine. And that's not body dysmorphia. I know that I look better than 98% of the general population. Yeah. I I tell people they don't get it. Right. And it's like, you know, you, it's not like I, like, okay, so when I was really young, 
I think I had like a legitimate body dysmorphia because I was so skinny, but I just wanted abs. And it's like, I couldn't really see that. I mean, I knew how skinny I was, but I still wanted the abs. But at this point, it's like, no, I know that I look better than most people. But from a from what I'm judging myself relative to, it's not that good. And I'm okay with that because it's like, I want to strive. I mean, there's a point where it's unhealthy, obviously. It's all relative to what you're trying to compare to. And if you're in a physique sport, I don't know if that necessarily is dysmorphia. I mean, we see true dysmorphia, but I, I think it's almost thrown around too much, the term is what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I think it is, actually. But there are legitimate people out there. I think it's it, it's more it's not more about like there's just legitimate people out there who like they're ridiculously big, mm-hmm. like they're so freaking huge. But then they themselves don't see that they're that big. Oh yeah, it definitely happens. And and for women too, like you know they don't see that they're skinny enough. I mean it's it's a legitimate real problem. Yeah, I just think that sometimes it's thrown around where it's like yeah, I mean. Or you just actually, you know, you can just see legitimate flaws. I mean, we all have things that we're not going to like about each other or about ourselves. I don't know if that's always a wrong perception. It's just sometimes you just have to understand, like, yeah, this is that. And, you know, you talked before about, like, mindset. You can recognize something without it being, like, terribly affecting your psychology. Some people will say, like, oh, you know, I'm whatever, bald. And they're just like, I just accept that I'm bald. And there's other people where it's like, holy crap, like I can't go on with my life. And, you know, I, I think how you. How you like perceive yourself and who you are as a person definitely changes that entire mindset of like. Right. How everyone else thinks about you. Like, I, like I, I would I would go in places literally everywhere I go. I'm like the biggest person there. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't bother me. I don't care about it. But like other people do. And I'm just like, why do you care? well and i think it also depends on what you you know what your self-worth is you know based on so Mm. i'll I'll give you an example so like my accountant um you know so i'm a dentist obviously and my accountant has like you know fine teeth not really that great teeth so one of the dentists i've worked with who he's worked with for like you know decades has offered him numerous times to fix his teeth and he literally doesn't care. He's like, because that's not his self-worth. He's a great accountant. He's got a lot of money, good family. He literally like could probably get this done for free. And he's just like, nope, I don't want it done. But if you're like an influencer or whatever, that's your identity, right? And as you know, a bodybuilder, that's your identity. It doesn't have to be your identity. Um, people actually like people on social media accept and like people who are authentic. Sure. But it- fact that the entire social media spectrum is so full of fake people that people don't want to be authentic they just want to be like everybody else like back when you were saying about like the whole teeth thing like my teeth are pretty fucked up they're ridiculously <laughs> fucked up they're so bad that it's not even funny to, but it's like i was i'm pretty stubborn <laughs> i was like i was born this way and my teeth are they're fucked up I, 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 am i allowed to curse you can curse my teeth are messed up <laughs> about that. But, like, I don't really care. Like, I could fix it. But to me, it's just, like, I have so much more to offer than just what my teeth look like. I'm a nice person. I care about people. I do what I can to help other people. Just because I have really screwed up teeth, that doesn't mean it should bother me and stuff like that. And now I have to change it so other people can accept me because I have messed up teeth. Right, it's right. Audi belly button. And, like, I remember... <laughs> When my post went viral, that's, like, the only thing that people could, like, pinpoint at. Like, I was a little bit, like, have these guys never seen, like, an Audi belly button before? Because I've, I was, I'm originally from Africa, but, like, there it's, like, so common to see an Audi belly because, like, the way that they cut the umbilical cords are just, like, so messed up because the practice mm-hmm. in terms of, like, um, newborn babies is all screwed up. So you can see it a lot more often there. But when you okay. come to, like, the Western world... It's a lot more like perfect um, practice in terms of like cutting the umbilical cord to the T where it like it makes perfect sense and you kind of just like cut it the right way and it doesn't have that scar tissue left over. So when people see my uh, my Audi or hernia or whatever, they assume, oh, my God, dude, doesn't that hurt? You should get that fixed. Like there's something wrong with it. You should do it. I'm just like, no, it doesn't bother me. Like nothing's wrong with it. It's like I'm not going to change it because you who I don't know tells me that. <laughs> 
shit. Like, like, who are you? Well, dude, so, that's a great mindset, man. I mean, seriously, especially given that you are kind of like an influencer and you're putting yourself out there to be critiqued on social media. That's that's a unusually healthy mindset that I think a lot of people don't have. Like, when you're an influencer, like, it's weird, but, like, I know, like, we post pictures of our bodies, and we're supposed to be these, like, these perfect people and stuff like that, but you don't have to promote that. You just promote who you are as a person with the imperfection, the flaws, and everything that you have. Eventually, those who understand the value that you give them other than your body will realize, be like, you know, he gives out good information. He keeps in touch with the people that he's following. He makes jokes, posts anime stuff, does all this other stuff. Like, you're giving value to people. Your body and the way that you look is not valuable. I mean, I guess it can be valuable, but there's literally no substance in there. You just post pictures of yourself, and then you get likes to boost your ego. But, like, most influencers don't give that value to people, you know? All the, the only value that they have to offer is just how they look. And that's why they're so like, oh, my teeth has to be perfect. Oh, my body has to be perfect. Oh, this has to be this. I have to have like all these nice cars. I have to do this. I have to do that. So like everyone can be, va- so I can be validated by everybody else. Like if you're influencer, you don't have to do any of that. It's your page. You do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> like, seriously. That is a, I think that is a great point to end on because it's a message that I think everybody <laughs> needs to like take to heart, especially if they're kind of in this space. Um, so, dude, I think that's great. I'm going to definitely like, put that as a clip somewhere. Uh, but, dude, and, and you mentioned your Instagram has been blowing up. You've been doing some coaching and stuff. So where can people find that page and, and more about you? So what they can do is they can go to my YouTube channel, which is Can You Fitness. Um, just type in Can You Fitness. It'll show up. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that I've done. And they can also go to my website that I'm currently working on. It's CanYouFitness.com. And also, if they're trying to look for me on um, Instagram, it's can you lift? The funny thing is my name, I pronounce it wrong because I don't like the way that it's actually pronounced. It's actually pronounced Kanu, but that's so boring. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to make it can you because it just makes sense. So you put it with like, can you lift? Can you dig it? Can you swim? All that other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually Kanu. I've been saying canoe and you've been saying here, can you? You're cool with saying it canoe or can you or whatever. <laughs> okay. I make it how I want it to be sounded. It's my name. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good, man. Well, thank you for taking the time, bud. Yeah, man. You're welcome.